Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. I'm about to be famous. Not from this podcast, but from one TikTok I posted yesterday. I'm just watching it go viral as we speak. I'm upset. Uh, follow, yeah, follow me. Uh, don't follow Taylor. Taylor has posted easily 20 TikToks in the past, you know, week and a half. I have posted about two, and one of them has over 500 likes. So I'll update y'all next week if I, you know, become too famous and have to join like the TikTok creator fund. But you know, you know what? I'm a, I'll post it on our Instagram so y'all know what I'm talking about. Here's the thing. Um, yeah, I do post TikToks because, you know, sometimes I think it's fun to post a TikTok. But what I don't understand is when I checked your TikTok yesterday, it had like maybe 40 some likes. It did have a decent amount of views, though, but it had way more views than any of my videos can ever get. For some reason, I think TikTok has what they call shadow banned me and won't let my videos out to the public. If they saw them, they would love them. But nobody sees them because I only get like 30 views a talk. So, I look, I don't know what to tell TikTok. Please allow my videos to the public. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Um... I just posted a TikTok. It really took off. I don't know. I guess I'm just going to be too famous to hang out with you. You're going to have to find a new bridesmaid for your wedding. Fuck you. I'll be in LA. I'm finding a new podcast host for this podcast that I now host by myself, actually. It's called This Is Gonna Sound Weird, and I'm Taylor, your one and only host. And I'm Sydney, your former host. Former host. We'll allow her to stay for this week on this podcast uh, that I host, Taylor. We, no, I discuss true crime, paranormal, just things all weird. Um, from now on, we're gonna, I, I am going to discuss my hatred of the old podcast host, Sydney Sutton. I got mans texting me. I got wow. hoes in my DMs. Wow. I got hoes in my, <laughs> I got hoes in my DMs. My mans is probably asleep. He came home today very sleepy. Uh, get in line, bitch. I, it, listen, you ain't never, f- you've never met me well-rested. Like, I'm always sleep-deprived. I'm always tired. So, there is no, I came home tired. I just came home. I feel that. I feel that. He also took a lot of, uh, allergy medicine, because he got allergies, because, you know, he's a little puss. If you have allergies, you just... You're the weak. You're, you're the, weak. the weakest link. Uh, I honestly have not had the allergies affect me. Now we live here in North Carolina, and I find that the trees bloom very pretty here. Mm-hmm. Like we have like these like what are they? They're not really Japanese cherry blossoms, are they? But they're some sort of blossoming tree, and they have like pinks, whites, mm-hmm. um, purples reds but it's very pretty right now but i will say probably in a good two weeks this whole place is going to be covered in disgusting yellow pollen the white the white trees kind of stink they got like a weird smell to them i don't know what it is (laughs) you know what we also have we also have it's specifically in the town where we live 
like these little green worms that come from the trees. Oh, uh, yeah. When we went to state, like people would come into class and you could tell they had walked under a tree where like one of these worms had fallen and there'd be like a little greedy worm sitting on their head. Yeah, were they like, what they like, little inch worms or something? I guess. I don't know if they're like little caterpillars and they were going to be little green butterflies at one point. But yeah, they were like little green teeny tiny worms. Yeah, I ain't about a worm. I used to actually, when I was younger, I would, uh, grab caterpillars outside and put them in a a little jar and bring them inside and then they would always die because i would only give them like a blade of grass to eat and i don't think they eat blades <laughs> of grass they're like oh god I had, one time Just... i had one named thunder and lightning and i showed them to my friends and then like two days later they died <laughs> i just got them like on my nightstand <laughs> I would get, there are these teeny tiny little, like, mussels, I guess, because uh, I, you know, I grew up at the beach, uh, and so when you dig in the sand, like, right there by the shoreline, there's these mm-hmm. little mussels, they kind of look like little oysters or little clams, uh, and I would collect them, and then I would take, I, you know, I'd get a little cup of salt water from the ocean, and I would put that in a bowl, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, these are my friends. And they would do the same thing. Die. Because I, I don't know. What, what, am I, what do they eat? I assume they just, like, sit and drink salt water. Are talking about no the idea. little, are you talking about the little uh, sand diggers or periwinkles? No no, no. Uh, no, no. You're thinking a sand fiddler. I'm talking Not like a sand fiddler. A sand fiddler is like a little crab. Yeah, what are you talking about? The, the things that you can open up. No, I never opened them up. That's cruel. Well, I would, that's what I was taught to do as a little kid. You open it up and they got a little guts on the inside. It's, yeah, I guess it is kind of like a little oyster. My friend calls them a periwinkle. I don't think that's it. But you open it up and then it kind of looks like little angel wings once it opens up. Yes, they do. Uh, that is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But I've never, you know, I've never tortured them like evidently you did as a child. You sick individual. I... No wonder you host a true crime podcast. <laughs> Look, somebody in my family taught me that. I don't know. So you open it, you stick your fingernail in the bottom of it, and you just pop it open. Um, and then you just throw it back in the sand. Yeah. Sounds cruel you when you think about it throw that its <laughs> carcass into the ocean. Uh, yeah. Well, you take them well, home to kill them, so... <laughs> I like to kill them slowly. Yeah. Anyways, well, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, morbid things, this week our theme is hitchhiking tales, you know, hitchhiking stories, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, what, whatever you want to call it. Yes. So, uh, so last week I went first. I... You want to go first this, you know, you want to go first this week? Sure, I guess I will. Um, I like going first better anyway, so here we go. These are my sources. UnsolvedMysteries.com, Philip Innes or Innes Frazier, AmericanCrimeJournal.com, An Interrupted Journey by Damian Moore, ListFirst.com, 10 Creepy Stories Involving Hitchhiking by Robin Warder. All right, so I'm telling the story of Philip Frazier. So, Philip Frazier was born on January 3rd, 1965, to his parents, Robert and Shirley Frazier, in Anchorage, Alaska. 
Both of his parents were physicians, his mom was a neurologist, and his dad was an internist who was originally from Pennsylvania. I meant to look up what that meant, and I forgot. She's an intern. Just say it. Just say it. She's an intern. She doesn't get paid for her job. Well, his dad was the intern, so he did not get paid for his job, I guess. Well, neither one of them get paid. I hope the neurologist gets paid. That's what his mom was. If my neurologist isn't getting paid, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to have some words. <laughs> uh, so anyways, the Frasers ended up having three sons. Uh, one was Philip um, and their sons were highly academic and intellectual. And they, you know, the parents had high hopes and goals for their sons because they were both physicians. And, you know, when you come from, I guess, fancy parents like that they have some pretty high goals for you even if they try to say they don't we all know that they do well thank god my parents weren't fancy mine either and now look at me my kids are gonna have to be fancy i guess they're all gonna have to be lawyers but brandon's not fancy so maybe they'll just fall right in the middle paralegal Mm Anyways, so the family also loved, like, everything outdoors. I guess if you live in Alaska, I mean, what else are you going to do except go hang outside? I don't know. I've never been. Uh, but Philip really enjoyed literature, and he was a very good violin player. And he, they said that he actually loved to play the violin. It wasn't just like, you know, your parents are forcing you to play the violin. Um, I never played an instrument, so I couldn't say. I did. I played an instrument. Now... My parents didn't force me. Now, uh, my instrument sits in, you know, the closet of my childhood bedroom. And every time I go home, my mom's like, what do you want to do with this? And I'm like, I guess we'll sell it. And then here we are five years later, still have it. Well, so if you're interested in buying a, you know, a slightly used instrument, please slide in my Instagram DMs. Make your offer. (laughs) Well, you know, all I did was dance. I was a, you know... For the people on the pod, I was a competitive dancer for, you know, however long, like 18 years. And so I have just boxes and boxes and boxes of old dance costumes in my dad's basement. Uh, And sometimes he'll ask me, he'll be like, you know, what do you want to do with this? And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. Um, And I dread the day where he's going to make me take them. I'm probably just going to throw them away. Because what am I going to do with probably a hundred old dance costumes? (laughs) I don't know, like, donate them to, like, a local theater company. I bet you they'll probably use it. Maybe. They're nice costumes. They're all handmade, so I could sell them. But here's the thing. Uh, Dance costumes, I was a fatty. Uh, When I was a child, I was very chunky. So uh, most of the time, you know, if you're going to buy just one single dance costume, it's for, like, a solo. Uh, But people of my size did not do 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 solos. Uh, So, yeah, I'm not going to find a gal to fit in it. Anyways, that's enough about my fatness as a child. <laughs> that's why she's funny now. She was ugly before. It's true. I'm that's, still ugly that's now. Why that's why I'm so that's why I'm so hilarious. I was ugly before and I'm still ugly now. I'm still ugly now, just a little bit skinnier. Um, but we're back to Philip. So at the age of 17, Philip graduated from West Anchorage High School, and following graduation, he attended Western Maryland College, which was where his father went to college. 
However, he only stayed at the school for around a year. Uh, He was apparently pretty opinionated and idealistic. He was described uh, as a type of rebel, a rebel. And his friend said, quote, he danced to the beat of his own drum. So they said he like somewhat wanted to follow in the footsteps of his parents, but he didn't want to do it just as they had. So I guess he maybe was like, I want to be like successful like my parents, but I don't want to like go to my dad's same college. So he ended up leaving Western Maryland and went back to Anchorage for a little while. And while in Anchorage, he did some soul searching and just tried to figure out what he wanted to do in the world. And he ended up enrolling in a pre-med program at Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. So, while his parents, they weren't completely happy about this move, um, I'm not really sure why. Because, you know, he was going to a pre-med school, you think they would be really happy. Maybe they just didn't want him going to Washington, or there might have been some underlying things, I don't know. They wanted him to be a lawyer instead of a doctor. God. (laughs) Well, just the embarrassment of the family. <sighs> you know what? Um, as I'm in law school, I would say he should do neither. He should uh, go do something more fun, not soul crushing. I'm just kidding. It's great. I don't know how being a doctor is. I could never. I would. I would throw Mm-mm. up every day. <laughs> I've thought about. I've thought about that. I was like, I could never be a doctor. Someone would be like, Oh my god, I broke my arm. I'd be like, Ugh, gross. That's <laughs> fucking gross. Can you get out of here? <laughs> Yeah, not not for me. Uh, But even though his parents weren't happy, he was going to make the journey anyways to Olympia, Washington. So on June 14th, 1988, Philip packed up all of his possessions, including two handguns, into his 1983 black two-door Volkswagen Jetta. Um, And he was going to drive from Alaska to Washington. So... Only about five hours into the trip, though, Philip realized that there was something wrong with his car. So just as he got outside of a town called Talk, Alaska, he decided to stay the night and ended up calling his parents to let them know, you know, like, hey, I'm kind of stuck right now. I'm going to wait it out the night and keep going. Uh, His father was pretty concerned because apparently he was driving through like some pretty, you know, desolate areas I would say because he was having to drive through like Alaska and then into Canada lots of woods um but Philip assured him that everything was okay and that he was going to resume his trip in the morning but unfortunately this would be the last time that Philip's parents would ever hear from him dun 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 so and that's it that's the end of the story it's the end of the story no uh, turns out there was no hitchhiker <laughs> But to get to, okay, so like I said, to get to Olympia, Philip had to drive through Canada and he had to drive like through a few like roads and highways that were considered fairly dangerous, which is why his parents were concerned when he stopped on the side of the road. But on June 18th, Philip stopped at a cafe in a small rural community of 40 miles flats or 40 mile flats in British Columbia. So he had made it into Canada at this point. And a woman named Gay Froclage ran this cafe with her daughter, Tina. And on the, this day, she recalled uh, someone pulling into the cafe parking lot. And the person that pulled into the cafe, this is the cafe that Philip pulls into. But before Philip gets there, she sees somebody pull in 
and they dropped off a hitchhiker um, and remembers that she was pretty uncomfortable immediately as the hitchhiker, like, got out of the car. But the hitchhiker, like, goes into the cafe and is, like, sitting down or whatever, orders some food. And then sometime after the hitchhiker arrives, Gay remembers a small black Jetta pulling up to the side of the cafe, but no one got out of the car. Uh, the man in the car was Philip. Uh, Gay recalls seeing Philip, and she said that he looked like he was, you know, had lost something in the back of his car, so he was, like, turned around searching. You know, maybe, I don't know, this was the 80s, so I, don't, I doubt he lost his cell phone. Uh, but he lost something, and he was, it seemed like he was looking for it. So, while Philip was in the parking lot, Tina went outside to help a man pump his gas, because, you know, some places people pump your gas for you. Um, and while she, Tina was outside, she saw Philip, and she kind of was like, you know, hey, how are you, whatever, and then she went back inside. And at this time, the hitchhiker inside the cafe had finished eating his food, and he paid with Canadian currency and left. So they noted that because, you know, I guess he was probably Canadian. Because I assume wherever this town is, it was probably close to the border between Alaska and maybe the main part of the United States. Um, so according to Tina and Gay, the hitchhiker approached Philip when he left the cafe. But Philip initially... Um, turned down the man's request for a ride. So, you know, he's a hitchhiker. He went up to Philip. He was probably like, hey, you know, can you get a ride? And at first, Philip was like, no, sorry, or something like that. And at this point, Philip began to drive out of the parking lot. But he seemed to reconsider because before leaving, he ended up stopping his car. And I guess he called back to the hitchhiker. And then he let the hitchhiker inside his car. So... Philip picks up the hitchhiker and they leave. And all of this is what Tina and Gay saw happen at their little cafe. So, in the days following this incident, uh, Philip's parents were becoming concerned because they had not heard from him in quite a few days. Now, we're jumping. At this point, we were in June. This was like June 18th when the, uh, the cafe incident happened. Now, we're in July 27th. For about a month, they didn't know what happened to Philip. It was there. It was a mystery. But on July 27th, the mystery came to an end. Because on this day, some tourists pulled up into a gravel, like, turnaround right off the, quote, Glacier Highway in British Columbia. This spot was a typical spot for people, you know, stop, stress their legs. It, you know, it was like an overlook. Um, and on this day, a man was walking his dog in the area and the dog started to pull him like into the bushes. And when the dog pulled him into the bushes, the man saw Philip's body face down in the mud with multiple gunshot wounds. Yeah. So. My worst fear. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've watched the TV show Bones a lot and the, the first like five minutes of every episode of bones is some poor soul you know happening upon a dead body and then they're like "Ah, yeah yeah that would exactly be my reaction because i think if i encountered a dead body i would shit my pants and die then we'd have two dead bodies two two deaths there's been two deaths one seems to be shit related (laughs) (laughs) oh god um so (laughs) I apologize. 
sometimes you have to use humor to cope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would hope if I died you'd laugh. I might. Just make sure you shit yourself before you do. (laughs) Just, (laughs) you die, push on her stomach, maybe she'll shit a little. (laughs) It'll make it funnier, I promise. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Y'all can laugh. Y'all can laugh at my pain. (laughs) Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for allowing it. We have it in writing now. If I laugh at your funeral, I'll play this and be like, see, she told me I could. She wanted me to. I could. Yeah. Uh, So the tourists found the body and they immediately left the area to go report what they had seen to the authorities. So then a couple days later, on July 29th, 1988, the remains were positively identified as Phillips, and the cause of death was found to be multiple gunshot wounds by a handgun. And based on the advanced decomposition of his body, it was estimated um, that he had been killed right around the time he had went missing. And like I said, this was like over a month uh, after they kind of stopped hearing from him. And this was on the day that the Philip picked up the mysterious hitchhiker. So, at this time, as what happened to Philip was a pretty huge mystery, and some of the first tips actually were from Tina and Gay from the cafe, telling their interaction that they had with Philip, and then picking, and then Philip picking up the hitchhiker. So you know, I guess like the police kind of figured out what kind of car Philip had, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then another tip came in and it was about something that happened about eight hours after Philip had been seen taking the hitchhiker with him from the cafe. So at this time, a couple from the town of Kitwanga saw a driver on the side of the road that needed help. The man was driving Philip's vehicle and he matched the description of the hitchhiker from the cafe. And the hitchhiker was being described as a white male in his early 20s, a large beer belly, rotten teeth, strong body odor, and stubble on his face. (laughs) So not great. Uh, Yeah, if I saw that, that's, you know what? That sounds like the guys that come up to me when I'm pumping gas and it's like, hey, baby, I would love to make you my queen. Oh my God. Like, and that is why I tried to avoid. You know, I try to avoid getting gas at all costs. Oh, yeah. I had a man tell me he loved me at the gas station after he asked me for money, and I said no. I think the fact that I said no so scarily, or so, like, sternly scared him, and he didn't know what to say back, and so he just went, okay, I love you. And I think I went, did you just say you loved me? (laughs) 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 I think I freaked him out more than he freaked me out. He thought a little, he thought a little, uh, you know, college girl was going to be scared of him. Little did he know I get approached by people all the time at gas stations for money. (laughs) I have nothing. I have $2. I know. So this incident, you know, the couple seeing him, this was only eight hours after Philip had like last been seen. And so my own thought is that by this point, Philip was probably already dead. Um, so the couple though... So the man, you know, his car was messed up. The hitchhiker that they saw, the car, well, they didn't know he was a hitchhiker. But anyways, he was with Philip's car. The car was messed up. 
So the couple allowed the man to come spend the night at their home. And basically, he was going to take the car there and, like, fix it. But at this time, they didn't know that there was anything wrong. But in hindsight, now, you know, the descriptions matched. Um, so they let the man come spend the night at their home. And the backstory that he told them about himself was basically Philip's life story and background. So in hindsight, it became clear that the, what the hitchhiker was trying to do was to take over Philip's identity um, because he had actually encountered multiple people like throughout this time span before they found Philip's body um, that he was giving a similar backstory as Philip's life to like various people. So while still at uh, the couple's home, the hitchhiker tried to sell them Philip's car, but they were like, no, like we don't want this car. And so he ended up just fixing the car and leaving. So maybe he wanted to ditch the car because he knew it could like get him caught if he was found in it. Um, but just 12 hours after he left the couple's home, uh, about 300 miles away, the car was found abandoned and on fire at a car wash in Prince George. So basically, the hitchhiker took the car somewhere and caught it on fire because he clearly wanted to get rid of it because it was, you know, some evidence. He didn't want to be driving around because people were looking for Philip at this point because this, you know, we're in the, back in June right now. And so the burning car was really the first tip-off that something bad had likely happened to Philip. And so this is why they started looking for him initially, which the way I told it was kind of he got discovered. But they had been looking for him and they were pretty confident he had met foul play because his car was on fire somewhere and he was nowhere to be found. So after this last encounter with the couple and the car set on fire... The hitchhiker was never seen again, and he has never been identified. What? Yeah. So, to this day, the death of Philip Fraser has never been solved. Um, while it's most likely that the hitchhiker murdered him very soon after picking him up, um, and likely with one of the handguns that Philip had already had in the car, because you remember I said Philip had taken two guns with him. Mm -hmm. um, and they said that Philip was killed with a handgun. And there was also a part of the story, too, where I think the hitchhiker got rid of the guns. And they had like a, they had like a trail of that, that he had gotten rid of the guns. So the murder still hasn't been solved. But there are multiple composite sketches of this hitchhiker and what he may have looked like. There's about three of them I saw um, on a couple websites. They all look different. Um, we can share them in case they may help. I don't really know. Um, but the Royal Canadian Mounted Police believe that the hitchhiker learned everything he could about Philip, you know, like when he got in the car. So maybe they had a conversation with each other, learned about Philip's backstory. And then after he got the information he needed, he killed Philip. And they think that he assumed Philip's identity and stole his possessions and then destroyed the car and just disappeared. And they think that the hitchhiker is probably familiar with both the Toronto and Seattle area and could be using Philip's name. I don't know till this day because I don't know how old he was. But they think he could be using Philip's name and identity because 
Philip's birth certificate, visa, passport, and checkbook were never recovered. So, that is the story of the death of Philip Frazier. So, you know, if anybody has any, uh, you know, if you know anything, this was actually featured on, like, Unsolved Mysteries, like, you know, the original show, not the Netflix, not the new, like, updated Netflix thing, but anyways, this was a story of a hitchhiker who was never caught. Wow. I have never heard that story. I hadn't either. And I read it and I was like, what? Yeah. And that is insane. Also, because I find it absolutely bonkers that, you know, in this day and age, with all this technology we have, there are still people that, you know, like, we can't find. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if you're talking to somebody, you know, on Tinder, and you say, oh, I can't find him, he doesn't have social media, I can find him, you know? Mm -hmm. Give me a name. I can find him. LinkedIn, you know, uh, public records. I will find this man. But we can't find somebody who literally murdered somebody? That is insane to me. And it's weird because they think he assumed his identity, but I'm like... But if he assumed his identity, I mean, he must have, I would think, have had to go on somewhere that was very, like, secluded, that wouldn't have heard anything about this story, so he could use this identity and not get caught, which I've absolutely never heard of this story, and I don't know, you know, how far-reaching the information was sent to, like, police stations in the United States. I mean, for all we know, he could be somewhere in... West Virginia in the tiniest town ever living as Philip Frazier. You never know. He actually was at the gas station and asked Taylor for a dollar the other day. Dang it. Nah, the composite sketch. I I don't think I've ever seen a man that looks like uh, the sketch they've drawn of him. I don't know. But that is insane to me. Uh, That is also very sad. Yes, it is very sad. And it's so sad because Philip was only like, he was either 23 or 25. And, you know, he was trying to go to college. And then, hey, and it sucks because at first he, you know, he didn't want to pick the guy up. And then he probably was like, oh, he probably felt bad. You know, oh, I'll just take him a couple miles or something. So that's sad. But I would, this is why I would never pick anybody up ever. Sorry, my dad picks people up, but not randos. But, like, if he's, like, around town and there's, like, a lady who's, like, I, she's at the Ingles or something. She's, like, I need to get home. I live here. My dad will be, like, all right, hop in. And I'm, like, I could never. It's nice of him. He's never got murdered. So, <laughs> that's good. He also, li- he also lives in, like, a teeny tiny town. Yeah, so that's true. He probably, everybody probably is, like, oh, my God, that's Sean. Honestly, they probably do know it because, you know, he's a politician in our tiny town. So they've probably seen his photo on giant billboards for uh, election time. <laughs> and you know what? He he has to pick up people because that is how you rig elections, people. You be like, oh, I'm not going to vote for him. He didn't pick up my wife. <laughs> Fuck him. Oh, God. Well, thank you for that story. You're welcome. Are you ready for my little ditty? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna, we're gonna switch gears, because I feel like a lot of times, you know, when we do a kind of a broad topic, I think that you normally go more paranormally, and I mm-hmm. normally go more true crimey. True. But 
you know, we switching it up this week. You went true crime. I'm going paranormal. This is going to sound weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I believe it. (laughs) So for this week, I will be discussing the folklore or ghost story, whatever you want to call it, urban legend of the vanishing hitchhiker. Dun, dun, dun. My sources are Wikipedia, the Southside Times, Medium.com, Yes Weekly California Folklore Quarterly Volume 1, Number 4. <laughs> well, that sounds like a That's scholarly a... article. It was a scholarly article. In <laughs> uh, an episode of Mostly True Stories, Urban Legends Revealed. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just going to give you all the over... Arching, arching story. You know, the story that we've probably all heard a variation of. Mm-hmm. So, the story normally goes that a single traveler is driving down a dark road when they spot a hitchhiker, usually a female, who is walking along the road. The driver pulls over and offers a ride to the person, and the two spend a good part of the ride, you know, maybe in silence. They might do a bit of chit-chatting, but, you know, the... The hitchhiker doesn't say too much. And so once the driver arrives at the home of the hitchhiker, they realize the passenger has vanished. Dun dun. So, you know, they like turn over and they're like, hey, this is your stop. And they're like, oh, hell. (laughs) Oh, shit. Where is he? (laughs) So the driver goes, normally in the story, goes up to the front door of the home and knocks. And those living in the home open the door only to reveal to the driver that the girl or the hitchhiker that they had been driving that evening had died several years before. You know, basically, it's like fucking ghost. Mm-hmm. Now, in some versions of the story, the girl is buried in a cemetery and the driver is passing the cemetery when they initially see the hitchhiker. You know, so like mm-hmm. they're passing a hit the cemetery. They see a girl walking by. They're like, "What the hell is she doing out here?" And then you know, when it's revealed, it's like, "Oh yeah, she's actually buried at the cemetery, just not too far down the road." And they're like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> so the, actually, the first time I ever heard this story, it was that the girl gets out of the car, goes inside the home, and afterwards the driver notices that she left like a sweater, like you know a scarf or something and the driver goes back to return this garment oh. only to reveal that the girl was a ghost so that is you know this story that we've all known and loved i didn't actually know this until a few years ago that we here in north carolina have our very own very specific version of this legend are you familiar with a little girl named lydia not your friend. <laughs> uh, where is it at? Because maybe. It is in like the Jamestown High Point area. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I know Lydia specifically. <laughs> I think it's Guilford County, I believe is the county that is. Interesting. I try to avoid High Point. Uh, sorry, High Point, but it's depressing. Well, well, obviously, they've got a ghost girl. <laughs> and a lot of furniture. Uh, the, um, I'm gonna be honest with you, anything west of, I want to say, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, anything west of that, I have no idea what's going on. 
Uh, you ask me about the eastern part of the state, I'm good. Western, I, it's all a blur. I know the way west. I don't know the midsection. Well, let, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the midsection. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for more than 70 years, a young woman, which locals refer to as Lydia, has been spotted on the roadside of Jamestown, North Carolina. Lydia has been seen flagging down drivers for help, and local legend is very similar to the legend I just shared before. Uh, a girl gets into the car, she's traveling with, you know, this, the, the motorist takes her to her house, uh, and uh, then Lydia vanishes, and the driver goes to investigate, only to reveal that Lydia died in a car wreck years before. No. So Lydia is believed to be the ghost of a young girl who died in a car wreck on the bridge in town, because that is often where she is spotted, uh, specifically in, like, under, like, the underpass of this bridge. So Lydia is often seen wearing a white dress, so the story has been spun to, you know, she was, must have been her and a boy driving on the bridge on a rainy night on their way to like the prom or school dance and that she must have died in a car wreck and now Lydia spends all of eternity looking for a ride home or you know potentially she's trying to get to the prom she never made it so you know she's trying to hitch a ride to the prom oh god if I was a ghost I would uh I'm terrified of being outside at night um, so if I were stuck outside at night looking for a ride for all of eternity, I would, I don't know what I'd do with my ghost self. I'd probably just die again. I don't know. She probably got a corsage and everything. Someone pick her up. Take her to the dance. Take her to the prom. So the first sighting of Lydia began around the year 1924. The sighting was recalled by a man named Burke Hardison who was a student at NC State. Go Pack, baby! <laughs> so he was he was a student back in 1924, you know. Uh, Not quite the same class, you know, no. as us. But he an alumni now, probably. Uh, yeah. So Burke was traveling back to his hometown of High Point when he saw Lydia on the side of the road. It was rainy that night, so he pulls over and offers her a ride back to High Point. And he recalls Lydia wearing a white dress and being near the Jamestown Bridge, which at the time was over Highway 70. So Burke drove her to her the house that she requested. And when they arrived, he got out of the car, I guess, to open, you know, the door for her. Probably He's probably a gentleman. Mm-hmm. It was the 20s, oh. so, yeah. Yeah. So, only to reveal... By the time he went to go open the door, Lydia had vanished. Dang it. So, Burke walks up to the house thinking, I don't know, maybe she, I don't know, maybe she got past me or something, you know. Mm -hmm. Goes, knocks on the door. A woman answers the door. And it's the girl's mother who says that her daughter died in a car accident near the underpass or overpass, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) several years before. And a sighting of Lydia near the town's bridge was included in Nancy Roberts' 1959 Illustrated Guide to Ghosts and Mysterious Occurrences in the Old North State. 
Hmm. So, you know, Lydia, she's pretty popular. Yeah, it sounds but like just, it. So, despite several sightings of Lydia throughout the years, no one has been able to give conclusive proof that a girl named Lydia died in a car wreck in, 19, like in the 1920s. However, in recent years, records regarding a young girl named Annie Jackson have surfaced. The reports recall an accident in which Annie was in the passenger seat of a car when the driver lost control and Annie was thrown from the vehicle. Ooh. Which I'm thinking, did they have seatbelts in the 20s? I don't think so, right? Mm, probably not. Honestly, I feel like in the 20s, that was like as the Model T just came out. So, yeah, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, I don't even think they had windshield wipers in the 20s. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. They barely had a windshield. I don't even know. The first cars, I don't even think, had a top. <laughs> they didn't even have a, they didn't have a car. They just, uh, uh, I they lied. Just, this they were all... just walking, and the guy she was walking with picked her up and just flung her over the bridge. <laughs> That's actually what happened. <laughs> they were actually having one of those Flintstone cars where they stick <laughs> their feet out of the, the you know, the, the bottom. Walking. So, the incident took place on the high point on High Point Road, which is not too far from the location of the new Jamestown Bridge, and also not too far from the former Jamestown Bridge, because in the 1920s, as I stated before, the bridge was over Highway 70, but today mm-hmm. is over Main Street in Jamestown. So, you know, I guess just probably, like, in a general, like, one to two mile radius, they're like, ah, it counts. Mm-hmm. So now the former bridge is covered in vines and overgrowth, and covered in graffiti paying homage to the legend of Lydia. And I've actually seen there are paranormal specials. Me and my dad love like the Discovery Channel, the History Channel. They always have really good paranormal type stories like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can go to like the Lydia's overpass and, you know, sit in a bridge see if she comes and i don't know snatches you i don't know you should tell your dad to get discovery plus they got like all sorts of stuff on there well that would require my father to know how to change the input on the tv oh well if he ever does he would probably like that over netflix i'm i would say and it's cheaper it's Uh, only like 4.99 a month i'll keep it in mind i'll keep it in mind Mm -hmm. i'll let him know so I'm sure the version that I've already described to you is what many of you think of when you think of a vanishing hitchhiker, but there are actually several variations of the story throughout the country. Because, you know, it's an urban legend, so there's going to be a couple different spins on it. So, there's actually a version in Hawaii that the goddess Pele, I believe is how it's pronounced, uh, and Pele is the goddess of fire, lightning, wind, dance, and volcanoes. So mm. Pele disguises herself as just a lowly traveler and travels down roads asking for rides and assistance from travelers in Hawaii. Pele rewards kind travelers for their generosity. You know, if they, you know, if they're like, yeah, come on in, you know, we'll help you. You seem like you're in distress, she'll reward them. However, she has also been known to punish those 
who do not help her. In some versions of the story or the legend, Pele also predicts catastrophes or evil events before vanishing. That reminds me of uh, that ghost on, that gray man ghost, you ever heard of him? On Polly's Island? Mm, I don't think so. Oh, it's like a a ghost. Give me a little more. He, like, comes onto a, it's like a little beach in South Carolina, and he'll come, and if you see him, he brings uh, news, usually of terrible hurricanes. So if you see him, then a terrible storm is likely a brewing in the ocean, and then he vanishes. So he's like Jim Cantori. Yeah. Yeah. If you're (laughs) unfamiliar with who Jim Cantori is, he is... Basically, anytime there is specifically a hurricane, you know, that's just going to rock your shit, (laughs) they send Jim Cantore out to report on it, and he only comes for, like, some of the worst storms. So, growing up at the beach, it was always bad news if you heard that Jim Cantore (laughs) was in town. You better, you know, get the hell out of Dodge. So, you know, maybe... Maybe that's what Jim Cantore will do when he dies. He'll just haunt the beaches <laughs> forever. Yeah. So, I don't know. Loki love him. <laughs> Lo- hey Jim, if you're if you're Jim, hey Jim, if you're listening, big fan. <laughs> so, Richard K. Beardsley and Rosalie Hankey who study history of folklores, actually found that there are around four main variations of the vanishing hitchhiker told throughout the continental U.S. Mm-hmm. So the version where a hitchhiker tells the driver an address only for the driver to later find out that the ghost, oh, the, sorry, that they had been driving a ghost is, you know, probably a main one. However, in another version... Similar to the folklore told in Hawaii, a old woman is picked up by a traveler and she foretells a prophecy such as, you know, the end of World War II, only for Ooh. it to be revealed later that the woman was actually a ghost. Interesting. And finally, one of the most popular versions involves a driver meeting a young girl at a dance of some sort and offering her a ride home. And the girl will borrow a coat from the traveler and then the driver will later find their coat that they lent this girl draped over a gravestone. And it's the gravestone of the girl just revealing that she was dead the whole time. That one's creepy, but yeah, that also one, that one is one. How you be? Do, are you in graveyards and just happen to find your coat in the graveyard? Listen, I am just <laughs> telling you what the Scot what the scholarly article said, because right. I guess in I think because we grew up in the you know the southeast, we get oh this you know a legend similar to Lydia's, mm-hmm. but. I think in other parts of the United States, you get the one where, oh, she was at a dance and she left her coat on the gravestone. The one where the old lady predicts World War II ending, she is evidently very popular in Chicago. Chicago. (laughs) Interesting. 
I don't know why. Uh, I didn't read the entire scholarly article, but I read a, a decent amount of it. Well, so I've you know, been to Chicago. Of it. I've been to Chicago one time, and I didn't see her, so must not be real. <laughs> God, you're right. All I saw was some deep dish pizza. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure we have all heard, you know, one of the one of the at least one of the versions that I've mentioned and if you haven't well I can't really help you uh but something that I was surprised about was actually to find that a version like one of the earliest versions of a hitchhiker like a vanishing hitchhiker specifically was is told in the new testament of the bible and in yeah and in that story an Ethiopian is stopped while riding in his chariot and he is stopped by the apostle Philip and Philip then baptizes the traveler and then vanishes. <laughs> so, so a store, so a tale of a vanishing hitchhiker has literally been told for thousands of years. That's so weird. Which I think that when we think of it, because it's an urban legend more to us we think of someone driving down the road but Uh in one of the articles that i read they made a very good point that just hitchhikers or people who are traveling and stopped by some sort of ghost or phantom is very common like they have instances of it in medieval times where someone's riding on horseback and they are stopped by someone walking down the road and the story for the hawaiian one with pele in the oldest version of it it's you know someone riding on horseback or Mm. someone even just like walking down a road and encountering pele who you know tells them that i don't know a volcano is gonna explode yikes but but that is you know a brief history of the vanishing hitchhiker i thought it was pretty interesting but i'm also super into urban legends i thought it was interesting i didn't realize that there were so many different versions um i when i think of it i typically just think of it as like you pick up a hitchhiker and then you're like you know they get. I picture them in the back seat of your car, and then you turn back around, and then they just go. Uh, so mine was a very simple version in my own mind, but maybe it's just because I have a simple mind. <laughs> yeah, you're very simple-minded. Not me. Complex. Uh, now, when I was doing my research, I was like, all I could think of is there is a, and I may be the only person who knows what I'm talking about. There is an old Disney Channel movie called Suzy Q. Anyone familiar? I know you ain't, Taylor. I'm not even asking you. I'm asking the listeners. So, the movie Suzy Q has the girl who played the pink Power Ranger in the 90s. And basically, the premise of the movie is that, you know, she is driving, or her boyfriend is driving her to prom, and they're gonna have so much fun. And this car hits them and knocks them off the bridge into the ocean not not into the ocean like into a river or something and then Susie q dies and so she's a ghost she's chilling on the bridge and finally she encounters 
this teenage boy who can see her. So she's like, oh my gosh, you have to help me. And so he has to like help her like move on, you know, to the other side. But she's also like, what happened to my family? You know, it's kind of cute. I'm not gonna lie. It sounds kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably a little sad too. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. You can watch it on YouTube if anyone's interested. Uh, you know, watch that and then watch My Date with the President's Daughter because that's a fantastic film as well. All right, I'll put it on my list. Yeah. I'll put them there's both also on. a there's also a version that is told in scary stories to tell in the dark. But let's be honest literally every single urban legend is retold in scary stories to tell in the dark so mm-hmm. well thank you for that story those well those stories i guess there are various yeah you you're welcome you're welcome um so next what? week do you know what our theme is absolutely not okay well i do um our theme next week Thank is God Vampire Diaries. So Hell yeah. Vampire stories. I will just be retelling an episode of the Vampire Diaries. And one of the I'll more also, boring ones. I will also be retelling an episode of the Vampire Diaries. Which episode you gonna do? Uh probably like season four, episode three. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I'm thinking probably <laughs> something from season one, you know, back to the basics. So. I didn't even make it past season one. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I got the I got the gist of it uh, at that point, and then I'm like, okay, I can see how this is gonna go. Ghost, witch, dead, vampire, dead, alive, blah blah blah. It's like a soap opera, but with ghouls and goblins. I watched it when it came out because you know I was in my vampire phase at that point mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, but then my roommate recently rewatched the entire, well, I guess she didn't rewatch it. She had never watched it before. She watched the entire series. So I kind of vicariously rewatched it with her when I was like cooking dinner. I'd be watching it and I'd be like, oh yeah, so-and-so died. That's so sad. And she'd be like, oh my God, that's so sad. And I'm like, well, they about to come back next season. So it ain't that big of a deal. But like I didn't want to ruin anything to her. On a show like that, I assume that everybody's going to come back. But when I watched it, I was in college, and I think uh, I, in in high school, I probably would have liked it, uh, because the same thing happened with uh, Gossip Girl. I started watching it in college. I was like, this shit's so dumb. I can't watch this. And so then I mm-hmm. had to quit. Yes. Like, uh, I've tried to watch Riverdale. I can't watch it. I'm too old. I, can't I cannot watch. I can't watch these teenagers have sex. It's just a no for me. Mm-mm. But I think if I was in high school or middle school, I'd be like, absolutely. This is the best this is the the writing it couldn't get any better it is so good look people my favorite show still probably of all time one of them is orange is the new black it's got everything if y'all ain't never watched it, it this ain't don't have nothing to do with orange is the new black but if you've never watched it you've got to watch it i swear to god anyways well mine is gonna be buffy the vampire slayer fantastic well, it holds up just retell a episode of that next week Ah, <laughs> oh, damn you fucking right I'm going to do it. It's going to be season two, the Halloween episode. If you know, you know. I do not know. Uh, Let's see. What should we say? Oh, yes. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, please. Like five stars. That'll be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Instagram 
at gonna sound weird pod follow us on twitter at gonna sound weird also follow us on tiktok you know i you know on our personal tiktoks me sid yeah sydney's tiktok taylor's tiktok and the pods tiktok you know you might see me eating kava that is the tiktok that is you know taken off (laughs) uh my tiktok features text a lot so that's cute uh what else is there anything else uh, you can send us your weird story at gonna sa- this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com. Honestly, you can send us pretty much anything you want at this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com. Just say, hey, you wanna do a collab? You wanna do an ad swap? You No, that sounds like I said ass swap. Ad swap. Yeah. <laughs> if you are just trying to say, hey, you can do that too. You can, yeah, you can do that. Um. All right, well. Other than that, I guess we're just going to say goodbye to you for now. And stay weird. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye.